I started the pottery and I was posting on YouTube and then the comments started coming in of where did you get all of your pottery supplies for? And I didn't see anything like that online, nowhere. Decided to launch it in September of 2021 and it went nuts. I don't feel like I did fit in very well. I was always that weird kid that did YouTube and just posted things on the internet. It was actually to the point where teachers would play my videos in front of the class and it was extremely embarrassing. And so I felt like what I was doing was wrong. All the kids in my class thought what I was doing was very weird. That was humiliating. It starts with the vision boards. It starts with the sitting down and sitting in that feeling of what this manifestation feels like, which is really good. But taking those action steps is actually what is gonna get you there. Reaching out of your comfort zone to make those things happen. It's all about the internal work. Hey, my name's Jessie Norbury and you're listening to Life, Money and Love. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right. Anyone, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to use that footage that we just had. We've already been chatting. We couldn't help ourselves to get into already the law of attraction manifestation, how you can use that to you know, make shit happen and some really cool perspective shifts in your life. So I know we're going to speak a lot about that for anyone interested, but... We have Jessie Norbury on the podcast today. She does a lot of really cool things. So model, nutritionist, YouTuber and founder of The Clayco, one of the businesses that I saw absolutely pop off during all the lockdowns and everything like that. So I'm really excited to talk about how you got into that business journey and everything you've been able to learn and the ups and downs that come with um, running a business and starting, I assume, one of your first e-com brands. So I'm excited to get into all that. But Jessie, where I want to start, it's kind of hard because you do so many things. I'm like, fuck, which one do I pick? Where do we want to start? Just kind of, I think the best place to start with you is just to go back to where I feel life really starts. And the more podcasts I have, that's what I realized. Like life really starts when you finish high school because now it's finally you and your choices. Before then, it's like you're forced into all this stuff or you have to go along and tick all these boxes. But it's like the first year outside of school when you're trying something that you just picked for yourself and whether you love it or you hate it, I feel like that's where we start to become, you know, who we are as, as people and express ourselves and what we're really into. So tell us like what you, like where you went from right after school and was it something that you planned while you're in school? How did you kind of we'll start working towards how we got to where we are today? Yeah, well, I guess you're right. I feel like I'm a person that really can't sit still. Yeah. I love dipping my toes into everything. Look, it could be a bit of undiagnosed ADHD. I'm not sure. But I just have always been the sort of person that's like, I want to try this. Okay, I'm going to do this now. And my mum's always said to me since I was like 16 or 17, you've got to be your own boss. You've just got to do this yourself. You can't work under anybody else. And she was so right because that's exactly where I've ended up now. But straight out of school, I knew I wanted to pursue acting. And so I did a year in Sydney. I was actually living in Canberra at the time. I came to Sydney on the bus from Canberra to go to acting school like every day, wow. which was a huge... Every day? Oh, not every day, a couple of times a week, but it Catching was... Catching a... That's commitment. It was commitment and it meant like the 3.30 a.m. Mm. wake up to get on the bus, come to Sydney for the day and then get the 6 p.m. bus back home to Canberra. So it was a huge commitment, but... At that time, I was fresh out of school. I really wanted to give this a go and I did and I loved it. It was such a fun year. 
I think like with my job now that really helps and it was all screen acting which is spoiler alert exactly what I am back in doing now I just had a little bit of hiatus but yeah so I did acting straight out of school for a whole year and then after that finished I was really lost with what to do I had a lot of pressure from external factors to do something a little bit more traditional and I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that cycle like a lot of voices that kind of impact those decisions that you make and so yeah I had a lot of pressure to go and do something traditional so I went to uni and I studied marketing and communications I still have a year left of my degree (laughs) but I will never finish it so two years into my degree the university stopped the degree and so I was kind of left with this choice okay do I want to start the new degree that they're offering which was media and media and advertising so a little bit different or continue doing this degree with subjects that don't actually fit in with the curriculum at all so I was like oh give it a try for a bit and I did six months of law and politics because they were the subjects that I needed to get those points to get the degree and it was just a bit of a sign from the universe that this is not for me. I was in the same class as like seventh year law students, all mature age students and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. It just seemed so pointless and so my partner Geordie ended up getting a job in Sydney at the end of 2019 and I really wanted to pursue a career in modelling And I took that as an opportunity to go, okay, like I'm 20 years old. I can give this a real crack. Um, And so we moved to Sydney and lived in a small little one-bedroom apartment, but I was willing to give the modelling thing a go for six months. And this was in 2020, so I think you know what's coming. But surprise, surprise, the first lockdown hit, I was three months into working for myself and I've just gone, shit. (laughs) What, like, what do I do here? And so all of my modelling jobs were cancelled. I had like a bunch of regular clients that I was working with and loved it, but all of that was cancelled for the foreseeable future. So I took that as an opportunity to be like, YouTube sounds pretty fun and doing a bit of social media work, which is actually when you come into the picture because Happy Skin Co., mm-hmm was one of the very first brands I ever did like content creation for oh, wow, really? during the lockdown in That's 2020. Epic. I still see the photo wow. every now and then and I'm like, ah, oh, good memories because That's it's so like, cool. yeah, I think the social media thing was great because mm-hmm. people were bored at home, they were looking for entertainment and I, yeah, grabbed it and used mm-hmm. it as a good excuse to try something different and I uploaded once every three days and it worked well in my favor. So many things I wanted to ask you about from what you just said. The first one, there's a couple things. Now, you said that obviously you, you, you felt drawn to acting straight out. You wanted to do that. Obviously, it's such a fun career path to take after school. But you were getting these like external voices and other forces pulling you towards the more traditional sensible thing, which... I feel so many people can relate to that are creative and maybe want to step out and try something out of the norm. What were some of those things or pressures that you kind of felt pushing you towards? Maybe I'll play it safe and go to uni. Well, I guess like lots of family members, unfortunately, um, of course, social media and even like 
acting and modeling seems like a very unreliable and unstable career choice. And, you know, sometimes it can be, but in this day and age, I think we've seen again and again, creators become super, super successful. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was just a lot of a lot of pressures from people I did take advice from. So I thought, oh, okay, like that must be the way to go. But I wasn't actually listening to what my heart and my soul was telling me to do. I knew since I was a kid, this is exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be in movies. Like little five-year-old me is here like making home videos, wanting to be in front of the camera and do all this stuff. So I think I knew from just a little kid that that's what I wanted to do. But Obviously, when the people closest to you are saying, I don't think that's the way forward, just prove them wrong now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I feel like so many of us always have that inner child of, like, wanting to chase their dreams. But with the conditioning of, you know, how the world works and what everyone sees is the right thing to do, so many people lose that spark and they just conform to what, you know, school says you should do or maybe parents. Because, like, our parents' generation is so different to us. They grew up and if you wanted a good career and good life back then, unless you had money, you had to go to university most Mm -hmm. of the time. So they don't really understand this new world, but it's like there is so much opportunity today. And obviously you started as a content creator, as a YouTuber, model, and, like, you've built a business off the back of that. So it's like it opens up so many other avenues. Now there's another thing I kind of feel like I could probably relate to you with after doing a bit of research about, you know, what you like and all the different things you have in your life. But you said you've always been like this dreamer, really excited, you know, want to be in movies, all this sort of stuff. What was your school experience like? I don't mean like in terms of like did you fit in and anything like that, but how did you feel inside school when like there's all these rigid rules and things you had to do and boxes you had to tick? Did you feel that it wasn't for you or how did you how did you go about navigating school? Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting question because I don't feel like I did fit in very well. I was always that weird kid that did YouTube and <laughs> just posted things on the internet and it was kind of like, what is this girl doing? And I was just trying a bunch of different things. But it was actually to the point where teachers would play my videos in front of the class as and it was extremely embarrassing. And so I felt like what I was doing was wrong. All the kids in my class thought what I was doing was very weird. Even like coming from a teacher, I think that is so, so weird. So inappropriate. Like. It was like on the projector at school. This was in like year nine. So I feel like as a 14-year-old, that was humiliating. But <laughs> I what, don't understand that. What were the videos that you – like those early videos in year nine, do you remember what they were? Like vlogs or what were they? <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched old school YouTube, but it was very much like comedy skit sort of okay. style because that's what was yeah, big yeah. on YouTube. I think only in the last few years have weekly vlogs, daily vlogs really taken off. Um, so it was like very bizarre sort of videos, but I thought at the time they were hilarious. But that's so <laughs> strange to me because like I'm probably like maybe five, six years older than you. Like I feel like – isn't YouTube more like aren't you part of like the YouTube generation shouldn't that have been more encouraged or more like normalized like did you go to a was it was it a strict school you went to or I went to a Catholic school um yeah maybe it was just like too new because I was definitely the only person in the school who was doing something remotely like that um yeah like you know it is what it is and I learned from that experience and I think that 
maybe it was just their own internal issues that were projecting and making fun of a little kid for trying to do something to different. To chase their dreams yeah, and have an exciting life. It's That's okay, but I've never really taken their those sort of opinions yeah. too seriously because it didn't didn't make me did stop. You, how did you how did you feel like now obviously a little bit more like a little bit older more mature you can realize now that's their own problem but did you realize that back then or how did you process that those situations and kind of making you feel left out kind of thing or different? Um I think it was just surrounding my pe- myself with people who maybe enjoyed that a little bit more. So I had a really close circle of friends like really really small circle and they enjoyed it got into the videos encouraged it and I think that made it made me feel better about posting and publishing things like this and I was really into music at the time so posting I was in like a little girl group and posting our own like original songs on YouTube and then that like backfired big time like in school just being like people just being so nasty and having their own opinions but it was fun. I love it. Now everyone wishes they could do that, honestly. Everyone <laughs> yeah. wishes they could start their own YouTube channel, be a singer, be a content creator. It's funny how things change. Now did that all that sort of stuff you're doing then I imagine was why you wanted to get into acting straight out of school? How did that process work? Did you have like your, your school lined up in Sydney before you came up from Canberra or did you have to apply for some places? How did that process work? Yeah, so end of year 12, I kind of spent that final semester trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I knew it was something in performing arts. So I sent an application to WAPA in Western oh, yeah. Australia. That one was unfortunately rejected and I feel like my whole family's in Perth as a bit of a backstory so that's why I thought that could be a good option. Did you grow up in Perth or Canberra with your family? I grew up everywhere so my dad had a job that moved us around a lot so I think I've I've lived in Perth, I've lived in the Red Desert, I've lived in far north Queensland, Canberra and now I'm here but yeah I think because I had that family there I was like oh that could be a good option but um, yeah, ended up getting accepted into this school in Sydney, which was much more convenient and a really good screen school. Um, yeah, and what's that, six years ago and I'm back there. Really? Yeah, started back maybe six weeks what's, ago. What school is it? It's called ScreenWise. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went to ScreenWise for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> Brenton went to ScreenWise, everyone there. goes to ScreenWise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering, like, I'm like, I guarantee I'm going to know who, who it is. How is, yeah. how is. How has it changed, like, whatever, five years down the line? Is it? Is it very similar or? Not necessarily. I think going into it this time, I have a lot more drive and ambition and a bit more of a vision of what I want to come out of it. Um, Because before I kind of just jumped in, I was like, yeah, I love acting, let's do this. But now it's like, okay, I have goals. I want to do this by the end of the year and this is going to help me get there sort of thing. So I'm really using this as a great learning experience to expand my knowledge and just fully immerse myself in the like, industry. Exactly. You're so much more mature now. I, rem- I would have been a similar age when I started acting. I think I was 19 when I started acting. You don't really know how to navigate certain situations. You yep. don't really know what you should be working on, who you should be seeing. What um, school did you go to? I went I, – I did I did a few like short courses at the start. Like I did some at night, I did some at ScreenWise. Then I went to Pulse. You went to ScreenWise too? Yeah, I did. I did one or two little short courses there and before I did – my like no full-time one, I went, I did like in Redfern, it's called Actors Pulse. Yes. It's like oh my Meisner gosh, technique. no way. Yeah, yeah, I did that for a few years. Um, but if you, I tell you what, you got to get this book. Um, fuck, what's it called? Les, uh, what's his book called? Um, Life in a Midshot. Les Chantry is the best acting coach in Australia. Honestly, I'll send it to you. Yeah, you're going to learn how to book work. Great. I, 
I, when I finished my full-time stuff and only did acting one on like one-on-one or did his small classes I learned so much about how to actually book work so I'll send you the book oh, yes, 100% please. read it he's the best like you'll learn so much and it'll simplify it for you and then when you do start going in for the auditions and stuff you're going to find like it's just so much more simple than you would think and I feel like sometimes with acting schools they give you so many techniques and so much stuff that you're like oh what do I do I've got to hit my beat here and then like it's yeah it just really makes it um to me a lot more Clear, simplify and you just go and be yourself and like bring out all the best qualities um of yourself but we're not an acting podcast so yeah Um, (laughs) next podcast next podcast i like nerding out on the acting stuff we had some (laughs) actors on here i just like it's a world that i'm really into and stuff so i really um yeah i I love talking about that but i want to start getting onto the business how that came about now i know you moved up to sydney um and then the lockdowns happened so you're like all right what's next talk talk to me about how you got the idea for the clayco and then we'll go into like how you launched how you turned it from that idea to an actual business that honestly i saw everywhere i saw it popping up all the time good (laughs) the advertising is working exactly no it was just kind of stemming off the back of that first um lockdown was kind of the catalyst for me to start pottery and I, yeah, ordered some clay online and gave it a go. It's actually still up on YouTube, me trying pottery for the first time and struggling miserably. It is a hilarious video to look back on and be like, I cannot believe. It is just so weird that I own a pottery business these days. What the heck? Like, that is so random. Pottery is, in my head, I was like, no, pottery is for old people or like young kids in school do pottery at school. Um, but I definitely think we've made it a bit more mainstream and it's kind of taking the vibe of like a paint and sip sort of experience and really mindful and that's all I wanted the business to be. So I started the pottery and I was posting on YouTube, oh, here's, making me, here's me making a mug and then I started posting it on TikTok and I know you know about the TikTok, like it's just insane what happens on TikTok. It, blows up so fast and it can really be the start of something amazing and so I was posting little videos of oh here's me making a little mug this morning with my name on it and then the comments started coming in of where did you get all of your pottery supplies for and it was from a bunch of different places and I you know really started building my kit and what clay worked best for beginners and also people that were super advanced and the tools that are just the best for your pottery experience and I didn't see anything like that with those exact tools that I would put in a kit online nowhere nowhere and there still is nowhere (laughs) except for the Clayco it's (laughs) such a good business model like so smart to be able to take all that and put it into one DIY kit and if you look at just my business as well Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd ever have a laser hair removal business either. <laughs> let me tell you that. But anything that you can take that used to, you have to go somewhere to a pottery class or to a laser hair removal clinic. If you mm-hmm. can make a kit that people can do that at home, mm-hmm. honestly, it's it's just such a good business model. If you can find a product or a service to turn into that, absolutely. Honestly, yeah, massive opportunity. So yeah, how did you go about? If there's no kits that existed, did you have to find manufacturers for all different parts, mm-hmm. put it all together yourself? <laughs> Talk to me about that process. Yeah, it was a really big learning experience. I'd never ever had to contact a manufacturer before, but I came up with this idea, and I, you know, said I think I want to call it the Clayco. That sounds like a very, you know, universal sort of name. There's room for expansions. It's not just a 
the box. I can really expand off of that. And I know you've had Vonnie on the podcast. She's one of my best friends in the whole world. I gave her a phone call and I said, Von, I have this idea. She was like, no worries, let me get Sam, which is her yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. And Sam, so, yeah, they're the best and they're amazing with business and strategy and all of that. They are. Sam's so smart. That, oh, the smartest person in the world. Like, you can ask Sam <laughs> anything and he'll have a logical, yeah. like, 10 phase plan for you. But yeah, so I sat down with them and I said, this is my idea. And Von, like she just lit up. I was like, okay, this this is a good thing. Like obviously when Vaughn gets excited about something, this has got to happen. So I spent the next like few weeks, months, this is in the second lockdown as well. So I've been doing pottery through the first one, went into the second one in 2021 and everyone was just bored at home. So I had a small window before maybe the world started again yeah, yeah. to get this done and, yeah, contacted um, all these manufacturers trying to see what we can do and how we can make this work, had a bunch of samples sent to me, tried everything, loved it, had the boxes made and, yeah, pretty much did a shoot with um, Vonnie Media, so her media agency, and she was so helpful through that whole process got them on the website. She helped me build my website. Truly, this is like a podcast episode dedicated, dedicated to Bonnie. Bonnie. Love Bonnie's you. the best. I'm Praise a massive Bonnie. Bonnie fan. I'm a massive Bonnie fan. Not only is she super smart and intelligent, but she's just the best person. She really is. The biggest cheerleader on days where I'm like, oh, this isn't working. She's like, no, it is. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest cheerleader. Yeah. We love Bonnie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, decided to launch it in September of 2021 and it went nuts. Because I was, you know, posting it on YouTube. I did a couple of like influencer send outs to a few of my friends who are content creators and it went berserk. Mm -hmm. I could not even believe how the, those first few months just like completely took off and it was right before Christmas and gifting. So my poor partner, Geordie, he was like working on his weekends to help me get all the orders out and pack boxes and cut every single individual piece of clay that goes. Oh, so you had to still like do that yourself as well? I still prepare. do. Wow. Well, I have employees yeah, now, but, but like we still do everything all in-house because it's a very like, yeah, when people receive their box, it's made with so much love mm -hmm. and all by us. Everything is done by us. And talk <laughs> to me about that because honestly, those first few months when you launch your first business, the most exciting period of your life, honestly. It definitely was one of mine. Mm. But talk to me about the day you launched and what was that day like? What emotions are going through your head? when you, Are you on Shopify, I imagine? Of course. That first Shopify, cha-ching. <gasps> talk to me about all that. Do you know what? I have my phone on silent 24-7, so I never knew what that cha-ching was <laughs> okay. until months later. So now I have the cha-ching on. It's yeah, very satisfying. Yeah. Ooh, what if somebody ordered? Yeah. But – um. Yeah, so the first day I've actually vlogged the whole day and Geordie and I are sitting at the dining table, we're pressing live on everything and it's. I think my face is just like, yeah, oh my gosh. And then like the second we launched, an order's come through and I was like, oh my gosh, I see you, hi. <laughs> so yeah, it's all all filmed on YouTube. The nerves were higher because I'd never launched, well, I'd done like an ebook before but never a physical product, so it was, yeah, so unreal and so exciting and the support was just so amazing from mm. from everybody. Because you guys went pretty viral like a number of times, right? 
on TikTok, TikTok. more so recently actually. Oh, okay. So in 2022, like we had, you know, the big uh, Black Friday sale and everything after we just launched and then, you know, obviously you experience like a bit of a bit of this, like mm. ups and downs. Um, but come the end of last year, we started posting more funky tutorials on on TikTok of just the weirdest pottery creations that are kind of cool, but um, they went viral on TikTok and we've had a handful just absolutely blow up, which is really exciting and such a good way to grow the business organically. We didn't put any paid ads behind it. It was just like the algorithm knew this is a weird piece of pottery. Looks like you're making a pie. Let's make it viral. And, and does that convert back to sales for you guys when you see a video go viral? Yeah, I think so. Um, definitely gets like a lot of attention drawn to the brand, a lot of saves, a lot of people coming back to the content. Um, yeah, like I'd say so. But unfortunately with TikTok, um, a lot of it is international. So people who are in Spain, people who are in America. Um, and unfortunately we don't offer that just yet because we are such a small business. We're like Australia and New Zealand based. Um, but it's just because like... I imagine know, shipping clay around the world can be quite expensive. It's oh, quite heavy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I did start by doing it, but then it costs more than the actual kit to it, ship right? it. And I was like, how do I how do I do this? So I'm spending over $100 to ship one clay kit to somebody. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're still in the process of making it worldwide yeah. and obviously with tools and things like that you've got to be careful around what gets into specific countries because yeah. you know there's some sharp tools and yeah talk a lot of me, logistical stuff talk to me about the day you realize it's so funny we've all had those days in business we're like you're like yeah i'll, I'll ship i'll sell worldwide i'll ship anywhere <laughs> and then you get the order you're like oh yeah my first order in whatever country and put it in your thing 89 dollars to ship I was like, what? <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. we got to do something about that. <laughs> Have you had that? Oh, with- many times, yeah. Years ago, but, yeah, we've had to re-tighten up things several times because yeah. it's just not worth it. I know, I know. And obviously you want more and more people to experience pottery, but unfortunately, like, the process of shipping something so far overseas, not only is it going to take a month or two to get there, it just costs an arm and a leg and it's not worth the customer even, like, if they covered the cost of shipping, it's like to me, I'm like, oh, like I don't want them to have to be put out by just shipping costs. So it's definitely something I want to maybe do this year and make something more affordable or easier to get to those people with different couriers. I'm not too sure just yet, but I might have to pick your brains yeah, afterwards yeah, sure. and see what the catch is. But yeah, it's like obviously so exciting when you get an order from so far away, I had one, I think it was in Germany and they ordered a whole bunch of clay kits. And I was like, how the heck am I going to do this? <laughs> Obviously it ended up costing an arm and leg to ship it in a big box. Mm. I was like, oh no. But, you know, you live and you learn. It's a part of the business experience. You just learn. Do you, <laughs> like, did you, did you celebrate like those moments with Geordie? Like talk, talk to me, like take, take us behind the scenes of some of those, like your most exciting days, the best the big biggest moments that you look back on now that you're you know a little bit down the road and you think that was that was pretty cool. Well, obviously I tell Geordie, but probably the first person I call is Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> I just go, guess what? And obviously the low times, Bonnie, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love Geordie so much. But um yeah, like he works a full time job. So 
Yeah, I guess like those wins are so exciting when they do happen and it's great to have such a beautiful support system that can really get behind you and celebrate with you and I've always had that like with my my closest friends they've been nothing but supportive even like purchasing when we've launched a new product which they don't have to do at Mm. all I'm like let me give this to you and they go on and buy it which is so so sweet and I think the friendship group that like I currently have around me is genuinely like Mm. my family amazing that's so important like if you have friends and so everyone sees these things that float around them i don't know if it's a meme or whatever but like if like kylie jenner releases a new product everyone rushes to like go buy it but if it's one of your good friends everyone's like oh can i have like a 50 percent discount <laughs> like if you want to be an actual good friend like buy their products <laughs> honestly um i want to talk to you about something you said like like every business particularly when you first launch you're gonna have these peaks and but it's gonna be up and down for a while talk to me about some of the some of the lower moments which happen to every business whether it be e-com or 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 retail physical retail what's going through your head when you're having maybe like a quieter week and you and you start getting that little bit of self-doubt is this really going to work uh is it over like was it just like a a phase talk to me about those thoughts and then how you move move through that yeah, well, I like I'm sure you experience this as well, but it just like I think sometimes comes down to the season of the year. It can be so dependent on even like the weather. And so a lot last year we had a few quiet times where I did have those thoughts like you were saying of oh, like is this it? Like I've had one order this week, like what what do I do with this sort of thing? You know, I'm working full time on it. I'm spending so much on like getting the brand awareness out there, obviously marketing agency fees and the actual spend on the ads. So it was kind of like, oh, like this is hitting really, really hard. And it's hard not to take those sort of things personally because it's like, oh, what can what can I be doing better? How can I be showing up differently? And sometimes it's just completely out of your control. And like I said, comes down to the smallest little things, gifting season, if it's like a non-gifting season, sometimes it's just a little bit more difficult and a little bit more quiet. But come those times where, say it's Mother's Day, it's Valentine's Day, it's a Black Friday, it's Christmas, I literally want to die because I <laughs> feel like I'm actually drowning. But that's a great mm. problem to have. Um, but, yeah, it's just diff- different seasons. Yeah. And what's, what do you feel like has been like your biggest campaign or biggest season? What did that look like? Was it was it a Black Friday? What was it, the, the most hectic period? Yeah, Click Frenzy and Black Friday last year was amazing for the business. But I feel like I was just trying to stay afloat mm. because I work still on social media and do the YouTube and Instagram thing full time. So it was literally like working full t- two full-time jobs where everything is so busy deadlines are happening but orders are getting picked up every morning so um just before click frenzy I hired somebody new and she's been amazing like really just getting involved in the business getting these orders out ASAP so she comes into the studio and she's just there like cutting clay getting them out the door which is so handy but um yeah click frenzy and black friday last year was wild absolutely wild the amount of times I sold out and I was like (laughs) just didn't prepare enough so I think going into this year I'm like okay 
got to keep on top of the stock take, got to make sure we always have things in stock because I definitely learnt my lesson being like, yeah, underestimated how much it would blow up. And now that you've obviously – how long have you been launched for now? It's been a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah. Now you've expanded your product line. Yeah. You started with one hero product. How many do you have now? Eight. Eight. What's your process like for launching a new product? How do you choose Mm – What's a good new addition? How do you go about sourcing it? Like what's your strategy in terms of obviously to grow a business, one of the main ways you can do it is by expanding your product line. But what's your process with with doing that? I love this question. I love this question so much. So when I first launched the pottery kit, I actually didn't think that the business would be anything more than that. I knew I always wanted to start a business and I knew it would be something creative, but all I could really see when I launched was that one product. And then the more I got into it, you just listen to the customer feedback really and it was like after the product had been launched, okay, what do I glaze it with? How do I fire it? How do I turn this into a mug that I can actually have at home and use every day? So from there we launched our ceramic glazing kits which is very different from your usual paint. Ceramic glazes are, I like to say, essentially liquid glass. So when they get fired at a really high temperature at the pottery studio – um, they turn into a glass around your ceramics so then you can put them in the microwave, put them in the dishwasher, use them for crockery if you want. So that was our next, I guess, like product on top of that. And then we were like, let's make it into a bundle. And to this day, our bundle of the clay kit and glazing kit is by far the best seller we've ever had, more than even just a pottery kit on its mm. own. Oh, it makes sense, right? Yeah, it comes as a, as a bundle and it's great to know that people actually want to do the full experience from start to finish and make stuff that they can genuinely keep forever. Yeah. Now, I know there's something that you've done as well that was maybe a little bit more stressful, the uh, the events, the, what is it, <laughs> pottery and cocktails. You said it was one of the most stressful things you've ever done. How did you know this? <laughs> did, did you read my diary? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's uh, been a little bit freaked out lately how much I know about them, but it's part of my job. So. I love this. You yeah. must have watched my recent YouTube video. I did, yeah. <laughs> it's not really that – I'm not that much of a detective. I just – yeah. Well, that was from your latest YouTube video. It just video. goes to show how much I actually share <laughs> online mm. of my life. <laughs> yeah, Oops. well. Anyway. <laughs> open book. Makes it easier for people like me to ask Perfect. questions. Yeah, so last year we hosted three events – One was a test run with my birthday party. So I got all my closest friends together and was like, great, we're going to do this full pottery experience together, which was amazing. Loved it. And then I hosted one for my management team, which is Vive down in Cronulla. And all of the Sydney influencers came to the event. We did this beautiful girls clay and drinks event, which was so much fun. So again, like a a bigger audience and then we were just like jumping straight into the deep end and hosted a clay and cocktails for 70 people the event sold out like that and we hosted it at the Cronulla RSL and yeah there was 69 ladies and one male showed up (laughs) it was like someone's granddad and it was just such a vibe that's so cute it was such a vibe and I hired like five of my friends to come and be hands-on I hired Dean to come and shoot content while we were there so Overall, it was a really fun experience, but I think trying to make the time and attend to each person Mm -hmm. was nearly impossible for for me. Like, I obviously had people there to help, but they had very specific questions about 
what to do now I'm here, what to do after this. And um, it was very fun, but everyone was very drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone got really rowdy. They really enjoyed the experience, but I think if I ever did anything like that, I'd go in with a little bit more preparation and maybe hire another ceramicist just to be there and help guide people a little bit more. Yeah, maybe that could be more like the product launch thing that you do. You know what I mean? You know how people just do like the standard PR event? Maybe you can do that and make it more of a thing and make it worth all that stress, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think, on, to be honest, the hardest part was wheeling in 200 kilos of clay for the event by myself into the Cronulla RSL. <laughs> I was dying and the event hadn't even started yet. <laughs> That's mental. Imagine seeing someone. How did you bring it in? What was it on? Like a, I, used, they, I had a trolley. Yeah, tro- I had a trolley yeah. but like had to do a bajillion trips back to the car which was parked all the way away. I'm like, here we go. Of course. So it was a big setup, a big pack down and yeah, it was really like overall it was so much fun. Everyone had a really good time and we didn't have anyone who – you know, came up after where I hated that event. It was all really positive feedback. They enjoyed the mindful experience because you get to go and, you know, sit with your group of friends who you've brought, have a cocktail and you're not – you literally can't touch your phone for the two hours that you're there because your hands are covered in clay. So it's completely mindful, great conversations with the people that you're with and you just – it's like a meditation and I think I just want people to experience that when they do potter. Have you tried it before? Never, no. <gasps> okay, no uh, worries. What's your PO box? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very um, mindful, mm. beautiful experience. Because you have to be so present with what you're doing, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. and very patient. <laughs> it's going to be a test for me. I'm not very patient usually. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like as you, I feel like I'm definitely un- like got a bit of ADD, OCD shit. Like I've just got so many things going inside of my head that I find it so therapeutic to do stuff like that because mm. I don't, I won't just sit and like not think I won't, I don't, I, f- I don't chill out that much. You know Are what I mean? Are you into very, meditation? Yeah. Yeah. More into visualization. Okay. Which I, I know I want to chat to you about. Um, 100%. Let's do it. Let's talk. I want to hear all about your manifestations, law of attraction. I see you've got your law of attraction tattoo. I do indeed. I do indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously law of attraction, visualization is for, for myself personally something I got into maybe five years ago now, a little bit more, five and a half, six years ago. Wow. I launched the business almost five years ago, Happy Skin Co. And it was the year leading up to that, that it's a bit of a cliche how I found out about it, but I uh, read, the, read The Secret. I heard about The Secret somewhere and then I can't remember if I read the book first then I watched it on Netflix or I did both straight away, which I, whether, I, whether I watched it first on Netflix and read the book because I was just like, holy shit. And to me, I read that, just happened to be the perfect time in my life. It was the year before, like the year leading up to the launch of Happy Skin Co. And there was one thing that, ma- why it made so sense to me. I, 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 I read this book and it made sense instantly in my bones because I looked back at my life and I'd realized throughout my entire life, I'd been actually subconsciously practicing the law of attraction and visualization but i just back then would call it daydreaming like so many like so many other people do right people when i when i talk to people about doing visualizations and stuff like that they're like oh i can't do that i get too distracted do you daydream yeah of course i daydream well it's the same thing except you're daydreaming over specific things but for me personally i always the only thing i wanted to daydream about anyway was like my goals or what i wanted my life to look like all these things i wanted to achieve so 
I was subconsciously doing visualization my entire life and so many of the good things that happened in my life, I could exactly match up to these things that I had thought about so clearly before. And I was thinking about this. I got asked about visualization recently again. And, and as the first moment, actually, before, well before I would ever know anything about the law of attraction, the first time I know that I manifested something and the first time that I used visualization and it worked. I remember I was in year four. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I was I in, year, I was in year four uh, and we were doing like a play, a little play thing from our school. And there was a girl, I don't even know who she was, what her name is at this point. But there was a girl who uh, I, I had a crush on at the time, I'm sure. And like everyone had to get allocated these random roles. And I remember the day before we actually picked it all, I was thinking, oh, I want to be this character. And then I want her to be the, 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 like the lead female character. Because we get to spend a lot of time together and rehearse. <laughs> and then... The next day we did it and it actually happened. And I still remember that from year four. We randomly both got picked for those two roles. and Fully I, out of the hat. Fully out of the hat. 100%. And there was like probably 20, 30 people and we both had to be picked for specific things. And I was what just like. What are the like, chances? That was, I didn't, I didn't comprehend what it was at the time, obviously. But I was just like, wow, that's so that cool. I made that happen. Wow. And yeah, I've used it. I visualized all this, everything that we've done with Happy Skin Co., um, but I want to know, how did, how did you get into manifestation, visualization, law of attraction? There's so many names for these things. And like, I feel like if you say it, name it one thing to one person, it'll turn them like, it's all the same shit, really. Like whatever yeah. works for you, feels comfortable with you. But how did you first get into this space, whatever you want to call it? I love that story. Can I just say that is so cute? So I can just imagine, like, I wonder what that girl's doing now. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder if she's, she's somewhere. Listening. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know her name. Oh. Like maybe if I had like my year four yearbook, maybe I could find it. Like but I manifested you. I know. <laughs> so weird. But the first time I guarantee like clearly visualised that and it happened. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I definitely a big believer in life happens for me and everything to do with the power of the universe and things like that. Um, and so... I've always really liked goal setting and journaling, but that was kind of the extent of it for a really long time. I didn't really know what taking action looked like. I guess I was doing it, but I didn't know like all those steps that really you can focus on and people do teach. So it was actually probably mid last year, I enrolled in this course, which was you know, a bit of an investment, but I had this gut feeling. I just needed to do this. It kept showing up to me in my Instagram and everything that I saw really aligned with what I kind of wanted for myself. And I guess like at that point I was in a really sticky phase where I was like, okay, like I've got this business. I, you know, love doing modeling, but I think I need something more. And it was just the perfect timing. Like it could not have been better. So I signed up to this course. I think it was six or seven weeks um, and it was live modules and things like that. And then you would go and do the workbook. And to me, it was just the biggest life change, I think, in the last few years was doing this course, getting really clear on my goals, literally writing out everything that I see. And I was at a point, we were talking about this off mic, but 
I had a bit of a crappy situation with the previous house we were living in and there was lots of construction. Our house was constantly under construction. Long story short, our house flooded and we lost our walls. So we were literally living in, yeah, it was not, imagine living (laughs) with literally no walls. So (laughs) it was just kind of gross. (laughs) So I was writing out exactly what I saw for our future house and kind of like forgot about it, not going to lie, but the specifics were so bizarre because we didn't even see our, our new house before we got it. And when we walked in, I was like, no way. Every single little teeny tiny detail that I had written in that workbook was right there. And we hadn't seen it. So I sent a friend to the home open. She said, you've got to go for this place. And we've been rejected from so many since February and we got approved in like September. And so coming back to that workbook, I was just kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. But I was still doing the course at the time. And so I was like, great, okay, I think someone's going on here. So I'm going to use this to my advantage and see what else I can, I guess, like what other directions I can take my life in. And something in my soul was telling me I needed to get back into acting and I needed to give it another go because something is going to happen with that. And I still truly believe that. So that's why I'm here. And hopefully in a few years, I'll have a good update for you. But yeah, it was just like oddly specific, all the things even to do with the business and some of the manifestations I had for the business was just wild. I wanted to do um, a clay and cocktails bundle and we've just launched it with Mr. Consistent like the other week which is so crazy I didn't like think that something like this could happen and here we are yeah it's wild hey like I'm telling you when I found out about the law of attraction it fucking absolutely changed the rest of my life absolutely and it's the most powerful tool I've done a lot of things obviously we are our habits at the end of the day our actions dictate who we are who we become what our life looks like but the one single biggest thing that I introduced into my life that made me get to where I want to be in honestly like a fraction of the time it would have took without out it was visualizing the whole process the whole path getting super clear on exactly what it is I wanted and then living and fully experiencing these moments including what the emotions feel like to be in these moments yes but I wanted to ask, what's your process now? Like, okay, if you're gonna man, like if you're gonna plan out 2023 or set your goals or things you want to, you know, bring into existence, and as well, for anyone listening, like I don't, I'm not saying, oh, you just sit down, close your eyes, and really think really hard <laughs> and like manifest. You still have to put in the work to back it up. But so it's much. a foundational phase, and it makes the rest of the process so much easier, so much more powerful. But what's your process? Because everyone's a little bit different how they do it. What's your process if you're gonna sit, set down, come up with your goals, and then? work towards manifesting them yeah and I I guess like I want to start and preface by saying like I we, we all live a very privileged life we are white people living in Australia we have so much privilege already but I think you know it's just about being super self-aware and I think that's what yeah I've kind of taken out of this course and like you said it was you know it starts with the vision boards it starts with the sitting down and sitting in that feeling of what this manifestation feels like which is really good but taking those action steps is actually when I got sorry (laughs) but taking those action steps is actually what is gonna get you there and so 
again, I know I keep referring to this course, but it literally has like a whole plan written down for you, which I always go back and refresh and start again for a new goal of obviously what everything feels like, what the sort of person you want to show up is looking like, what does their daily routine look like, what time do they wake up, what food do they eat, Who, what sort of people do they have around them. It is so specific but I think like taking those action steps are really, really important and then obviously going externally and reaching out of your comfort zone to – make those things happen. Like you said, it doesn't just happen by sitting there, closing your eyes and be like, this is really exciting. Although that stuff is really good. It's mm-hmm. all about the internal work. Mm-hmm. And the thing is I, that I say about like manifesting, whatever you want to call it to people that like maybe don't want to believe that it, or just it's kind of out of their wheelhouse right now. It's like, regardless of all that stuff, you may t- want to take that or, or you may, may not, whatever. I'm not here to tell you what you should believe or what you shouldn't. But if you're getting really clear about your goals and you're thinking about them and feeling every day as you visualize and live out these things and you had the emotions associated with it, mm. how are you not going to be motivated or excited to actually make yourself take the actions and put the work in? Because like you said, that's actually the hardest part, starting and actually putting in the work. So if you can do something that triggers you, gives you that momentum, that push to believe in yourself enough to start putting in the work, then regardless if you believe in the power of it, it's fucking already worth it. I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation (laughs) because it's just like, it seems so woo woo to so many people, Mm. but I do think everyone can benefit from some sort of, yeah, I guess like just really getting clear on what you want and where you see your life. Like I think it's more normal for girls, like more girls are really into it. But some guys are really like, oh, what a waste of time, bro. I'm like, come on, man. Jordy's coming around. Jordy, did you yeah, get anyone yeah. to it? Yeah, well, every, like, every few months we'll sit down and like reassess our goals and he does like his journaling stuff, which is like, huh, hallelujah, thank goodness. But yeah, I think like having a supporting partner is just like the best. Well, and what are some of the other things that habits, daily practices, routines, whatever it may be, they've implemented into your life to allow you to, you know, step into like the, your dream life or the best version of yourself? I know something that you've practiced is like daily affirmations. You had to turn your affirmation <laughs> alarms off so they didn't go off during the podcast. But tell me about <laughs> tell me about the aff- affirmations <laughs> and then some of the other things that you do. Yeah, well, like you said, I do have like set timers that go off every few hours and what I do is I change them up every week of like kind of like what the intention is for the week and what I think I need myself to hear and do you know what? The amount of times that I'm like feeling in a funk just like for a few hours and then it comes up and I really think about what that says and what that means, it is like a light switches in my head so if you guys don't do the little affirmations I think there's an app you could do that with I'm sure but if you want to make it more personal to you set an alarm every few hours and just make them different throughout the day of what you think you might want to hear like um I really like um (laughs) sorry one second (laughs) oh my god I'm blanking obviously life happens for me this or something better, um, the universe is supporting my next step or great things are coming, that sort of thing. I just, I love the the reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we spoke about that perspective shift. I'm not sure if we recorded it or not. Um, 
but it's so powerful. It's once it's an, it's another one of the things that changed my life. Not as in like so much. It doesn't doesn't change what happens in my life, but it changes how I feel about what's happening in my life. Therefore, mm. changes everything. It's like, especially when you're in business, I feel like you need to adopt this mindset because there's always going to be problems, failures, stresses, things you have to overcome. And it's that exactly what you said. Life is happening for me, not to me. And that's especially when things are going wrong because like it, that's actually a redirection and taking you one step closer to where you need to be because if you went down this path, that's actually not what's meant for you. And and that's another thing. It's like, okay, to some people that say, I don't want to believe that. That's It's all bullshit. Life's random. I don't believe in that stuff. What I say to those people is like, okay, regardless of I could believe that if I wanted to, that's not actually going to serve me in any way, shape, or form. It's going to make me more emotional, more stressed out, more easily distracted. Now, I genuinely yeah. do believe because it just aligns with me that everything's happening for a believe and I believe that I have some sort of a destiny or a path mm. or something I'm meant to achieve while I'm on this planet. Um, so I do believe that. But even if I didn't, taking on the perspective of life is happening to me, not for me, mm -hmm. it's going to just make you so much happier, be able to go with the ebbs and flows of life and not beat yourself up or get so down because like, fuck, if you're in business, there's going to be shit periods. If you're just going through life, relationships, whatever, like your family living in across the other side of the, the country, there's things that are going to come up that make you, f that test you. Mm. And if you don't have the right perspective, it's so much harder to get through it. Yeah, that's really good advice. That's really, really good. I just think like, you know, like you were saying, if you, even if you like did believe in it and you're going down one path and it doesn't work out, it's like, ah, oh, like that really sucks. I think the perspective of, okay, well, something better mm -hmm. is happening is just like so reassuring and, you know, obviously a lot of people don't believe in the law of attraction and that's okay. But I just think why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? Like it's great to help you get on the right track and stay aligned and connected with yourself for, pers for, a, per for a personal development point of view. I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, and with that stuff, it's like when things are going wrong and I have to adjust or whatever, I have to deal with, okay, that didn't um, work out the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. If I check in with myself and be like, is that really what I felt like I should be doing now anyway? A lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time it's like, yeah, I was chasing that for the wrong reasons anyway. Mm, and so it's oh like gosh, so true. you get past that and you're like, yeah, thank you for, you know, not going down that path because X, Y, Z things that have just now happened wouldn't have happened if I did that. So, yeah. Mm. Um, a few other things I want to ask you about. I just brought it up, which reminded me again, but what's it been like living in different states to like all your family and childhood <laughs> friends? Oh, man. It, uh, yeah. As I said, I've been here, there and everywhere. So obviously born in Perth um, and it's a beautiful place. I went back over Christmas to spend time with my family for the first time in six years because COVID You weren't was allowed in, eh? COVID was, uh, yeah, not letting that happen, unfortunately. And my dad got married, which was so beautiful. It was, yeah, just such a nice, wholesome trip back home. Um, but I also lived in a place called Kalgoorlie, which is literally in the middle of the desert. Um, again, for dad's job, we moved around quite a bit. And then I was up in Cairns for majority of my life, actually. And I loved that lifestyle. I, I think then was when I really started liking this YouTube sort of thing and started posting funny videos of me and my baby sister at the time. Um, then, yeah, obviously moved around to Canberra and to me, Canberra was just not it. I 
don't like going back. It's, it's just like. It's a funny energy camera. No, no disrespect <laughs> to I, people from Canberra. <laughs> but it's like the whole suburb has like the energy of a medical room waiting centre to me. Oh my gosh, literally. Like it's just a bit, it's, <laughs> exactly just, a bit, it. it's just a bit weird. And I don't know if it's because 90% of the times I went there was for a school excursion for like yes. some random thing. Do you thing. go to Questacon? Questacon yeah. and Parliament House. <laughs> That's about it. Australian Institute of Sport, which I actually really enjoyed that part. But yeah. <laughs> It's just a weird, yeah, no disrespect. I know obviously. Yeah, sorry to anyone listening from Canberra. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so I was 14 or 15 when I moved there and then 19 when I left. And I swear to you, the week that I left Canberra, I've never been happier. Now, I love my mum and my sister who live there and like obviously seeing them, that's all great. But I can't be there longer than one night before I get extremely anxious and feeling like I'm taking a step back in my life by being in that space and it was just never the place I was supposed to be. I, No one had a side hustle there. No one was into business. I think that's also the reason why I was like, oh, great, I'll go into uni and do what everybody else is doing. But then I came to Sydney and my friend Vaughn, she was like, you have to come to this 5.30 club thing. And I was like... Oh, you were a 5.30 cover. I was a 5.30 club goer, yes. Um, that was a huge factor why, why I moved here. I was like, okay, well, Vaughn says i got to do this. So within the first like two days of us moving here, we went to the 5.30 club, met Brenton, obviously who you've had on the podcast before, and it was a game changer. I was like, wow, everyone here is, you know, doing something creative or like has a business and no one was judgmental about it. It was so celebrated, everybody doing something cool or just taking a passion project and yeah, just going with it. And so I was like, this is the best. And yeah, moving to Cronulla was a was a great idea for career and ultimately to community lead to as well. great community. Obviously we have it's like a little Cronulla bubble, yeah. um, but just a I great keep group to get of me people down there. I, I keep know. Trying to draw me in. Yeah, we were saying before, like how many Cronulla people have you had on the podcast? Oh, it's getting <laughs> close. It's got to be close to ten. Honestly, it's got to be close. to I 10. think you need a studio down here. I know, I'm going to need one up in in the city and one and one in um one in one in. We're down all in the down Shire. there. <laughs> we're all down there. But um, what I what I wanted to ask as well about that is moving around so much as a like throughout your childhood and throughout your teens, it kind of seems like, do you feel like that impacted you or shaped you in any way? That's a really good question and not one I've really thought about before. Um, in a way, yes, I think because our family was always pretty broken from that. My dad was always away and so there were some points where, you know, I saw my dad three times a year, which obviously I'm super close to my dad and that like, hurt so much and now he's living in Perth so I've seen him once every six years <laughs> still like this though but um yeah I think it just made me realize how important chosen family is and having great friendships and those sort of connections um yeah and like I'm so so glad with the group of friends that I've got now they are just so supportive and so amazing but yeah I think moving around a lot as a kid is tough when you're in school and trying to make friends and like, oh, here we go, another school, got to try again. And it's like always so nerve-wracking, especially when you're a teenager. Going to a new school is so intimidating and moving to a school in Canberra is extremely intimidating because I wasn't like those sort of people. Um, so I 
yeah, I guess like struggled a bit to, like I was saying before, to fit in with those sort of groups of people. But I think now that Jordi and I have settled here, this is the most comfortable like I've ever felt in a place. You Where know? did he grow up, Jordi? Wollongong. Well, he Wollongong. was in Wollongong and then obviously we met in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wollongong's beautiful, like yeah. a really coastal place and Geordie's a really keen surfer. So Cronulla was kind of like a no-brainer when we, when we moved here. No disrespect again to Wollongong, but Cronulla's just like a bit better of a version of Wollongong. Like <laughs> it it's, is. It's a bit busy, like it's, it's, Wollongong's beautiful. I've got friends that live down there, but like yeah. Cronulla's just a bit more happening, a bit more I busy. Agree. You know what I mean? I yes, like that. I agree. And it's so important, <laughs> the energy of a place, like of like where you live, suburb, city, whatever it's so important and it, like sometimes it's like this in- intangible thing but the energy of a place is so real and it's when you find the place that the internal rhythms of your body match like the external rhythm of the of the of the place you are that's when you feel most at home so it's like some people feel really at home and comfortable in the country because their internal wave and energy frequency is chilled out and relaxed but if i go to out somewhere more rural, even down the coast, like a quiet suburb somewhere. Like if I'm there for more than two days, I start getting anxious. Yes. Because I feel like <laughs> I'm missing out. There's, there's so many different things happening. I'm so far away. It's I feel like I'm just – I can't settle down, whereas some people it's so relaxing for. <laughs> and then if I'm somewhere really busy, that's why I love Newtown. It's like I can go out of my house at any time of day and there's things going on. There's people around. There's like there's a buzzing energy. So it's like finding your space or your place, wherever that is, is a massive unlock, like, honestly, for me anyway. Would you say you're more of an extrovert? Yeah, definitely. I've always been more of an extrovert, but I feel like the older I get, the more introverted I get. Yeah. But, (laughs) like, I was actually talking to my partner about this last night. It's not necessarily I'm getting more introverted. I'm just getting more selective with who I want to share my energy with. Mm, Yes, absolutely. And you know what? That just comes with age, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm so busy. If I want to have time to chill, I'd, you know... (laughs) It's going to be around the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a couple other things before we start wrapping up. Um, obviously, we chatted about Alice. We had another dietitian, nutritionist yes. on. She's she's amazing, incredible. Got a really great response to her episode too. But Isn't what, she just so smart? Oh, she's so well educated about that stuff. She knows like such a smart <laughs> person and beautiful human being as well. Really passionate about mental health as well, like I know Very. you are. Um, but what what kind of attracted you to like that nutrition space and how did you get into that and have you done much with that or do you focus more on like the content modeling side of things? Yeah, so I would say more so a couple of years ago. I, again, I think this is just like, oh, let's dip my toes in. And so I started studying nutrition in 2020 and I did a diploma in nutrition. So obviously I'm not the same as like Alice, who's an accredited practicing dietitian, um, which is like five years of study. Whereas I did, I think one and a half years to get my diploma. So I wouldn't necessarily see clients face to face. I purely wanted to do it for my own personal knowledge. I have a metabolic disorder, which I was born with. And so I guess I kind of wanted to use that to learn a bit more about myself because unfortunately it's a really um, uncommon disorder and it's all to do with food and my diet so it's been like that my entire life and I've missed out on so many food groups because of that and so it's yeah been like that since I was two days old and so yeah I studied nutrition for a year and a half I was super into fitness my partner Geordie's an exercise physiologist um 
and we combined forces after I finished studying to create a recipe and fitness ebook called Fuel Your Fire. <laughs> so I'm like, which one's which? I have a podcast called Find Your Fire. Ebooks called Fuel Your Fire, which was essentially like a six-week interactive diary. Every day was a new fun workout and a new fun recipe to try. And it was just a good excuse to get creative in the kitchen and make some really healthy alternatives to your traditional sort of recipes. And I made a lot of them pretty vegan because coming back to, yeah, my disorder, I have to eat a lot of plant-based products and... I can't really consume many animal products, unfortunately. That's just the way. Unfortunately, my body... I'm a veg so it doesn't matter. Oh, Preaching yeah. to the choir. I, I think I would just really like to try some chocolate. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, I understand. Can't eat chocolate. No. <laughs> what um what have you had to do to manage that? So like you've had to exclude certain food groups and mm. has that been like a balancing act? Obviously being I'm sure being in modeling, there's obviously already this like consciousness to diet and stuff. Yeah. Is it something that you've had to like be really strict with your whole yeah. life? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a dieter. I never really have been, never really into tracking or counting mm. calories or anything, even though, like I said, the modeling industry kind of really wants you to do that, unfortunately. But never immerse myself in that sort of thing because yeah, I guess I've known since birth that I couldn't even have breast milk when I was born because uh. that was like toxic to my liver and my liver was shutting down. So yeah, I think it's it's called galactosemia. Okay. Um, maybe, I don't know, I've never met anybody else who has it. Mm. So maybe someone listening to the podcast might know what it is. Um, but I can't have, yeah, most animal products. I can have chicken and fish, which is awesome um, for a source of protein because I can't have legumes, which is a massive... Oh, wow massive source of protein for most vegans and vegetarians so you eat vegan chocolate yeah i can um as long as it doesn't have chickpeas or okay. anything in it because yeah. sometimes i'll put like chickpea flour and things or like vegan ice creams uh have some sort of legume or pea protein can't have it so yeah there's a few vegan chocolates that yeah. i that i really do like and i feel like in my mind i'm like yes this will taste like <laughs> yeah. a ferrero rocher yeah. so yeah missed out on those sort of things but I don't know any difference, so that's fine. But there's a bunch of things that are excluded that I just don't know what I'm missing yeah. out on. Ah, uh, it's all good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Depressing, but like it is what it is. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with the modelling stuff because I'm interested in what that what that's like as well to navigate now. I know you've someone you spoke about like you've actually preferred to do it freelance rather than get an agency or like be signed to like a modelling agency. Why what, for you? He did why, his research. <laughs> this for, is great. For you, why do you feel like that was a better experience doing it freelance when a lot of people would feel like, oh, I, I can't do that myself or I need to be signed to a certain agency to get work? Why was that a better, a better way for you to go about it? Yeah, and look, I've talked about this in a few podcasts before, like on my, on my own or in interviews. I just think the industry can be very specific to what they are looking for. And that sometimes it's hard not to take it personally. Like, especially as a young girl, I really wanted to give it a crack. And I was going into these agencies um, who'd like asked me to be there. So I was super excited thinking something could come from this. And it was pretty much like, you're too busty, you're too this, not looking for these sort of measurements. And I remember one agency actually said to me, you don't fit our modelling measurement requirements. And I was like, what the mean who has 
requirements these days and you know they're trying to promote different body bodies and everything trying to be super inclusive but they are still so specific specific. to what petite model they want what plus model they want and you know it it is what it is but I figured that freelancing was my best option Um, and so I did that for a while when I first moved here. I booked some regular clients and was just shooting like e-com stuff which was great for 2020 and went into lockdown then got back into (laughs) it. So yeah, just around here actually had a bunch of freelance sort of work and then I met my manager Izzy who is literally, she's amazing. I don't know if you've met Izzy from Vive Management, but no. you should have her on the podcast. She's good. Oh. Shout out to Izzy. Joe Wright. Izzy's Shout out. Right yeah. Isabella Joe Linden Wright. Izzy's, what's her name? Isabel. Isabella Linden from Linden. Vive Management. She is go. an absolute force to be reckoned with. The business mindset she has towards Vive is just incredible. So I joined her team as like an influencer or a content creator, but now she man- manages my modeling stuff as well. And she just gets it. She gets it, you know, like she can stand up for me in the ways that you can't really stand up for yourself because when you're a freelancer, unfortunately, people do walk all over you and try to get away with whatever they can. But as soon as they're talking to an outside party... It's someone like, experienced as well, I'm sure, like yeah, plays a part. She's an amazing negotiator for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you mentioned that it's hard to not take some of those things personally when... Of mm. course, because they're literally saying specific things about you as a human being, your body, a lot of things that you can't change. Exactly. How do you, like you said, it's, it's obviously easier said than done, but how do you separate that feelings of rejection and, oh, you don't fit the bill? Because obviously modelling, it's really black and white. It's you, how you look. Mm. Acting, it's more, there's more going into it, but you're still going into a world full of rejection and sorry, but not you, not what we're looking for. Exactly. How do you deal with that on like a personal self-confidence, self-belief level? I think that in those sort of situations, they things happen for a reason. And so getting those rejections really early on was kind of like, okay, well, they're telling me things that I genuinely cannot change about myself. The way they are saying it is, is really rude and I can see that that's not the sort of person that I want to be aligned with anyway. And why would I want to go and work for an agency who's going to tell me at my healthy weight to lose more just to fit this requirement that they have that is non-existent so I think that was huge I've actually got a vlog of it on YouTube because I started like doing daily vlogs oh like today I'm going to Sydney for this casting oh that went really bad so I from there I kind of go like okay no one can build my career for me and I've just got to stay in my own lane and stick to backing myself I've um I've spoken to both like quite successful female and male models and they all say there is but those are more people that have done it overseas modeling. Yes. Is there a dark side to modeling in Australia? Is there still like a bit of a yeah messed up side of it here? Have you found like you've had negative experiences like yeah I've heard some really weird stories of like both guys and girls and it's like yeah. It can be super toxic. I don't think Australia is as bad as Paris, Mm -hmm. Milan, New York. 
I've had a friend and she was also on my podcast who did modelling overseas and she was in kind of like with the Victoria's Secret sort of crowd and she was saying they were recommending her to smoke cigarettes and eat an apple in order to keep slim and keep a Victoria's Secret sort of shape. So I guess in that way we're lucky in Australia that I don't I don't think that mm-hmm. happens. Keep in mind I'm only speaking from yeah. personal experience. I'm not sure if that's happened to somebody else. I hope not. But overseas it is very black and white like what you were saying. It's very much about what you look like and being a mannequin on a runway. Mm-hmm. So coming back to that phone call that I got from the agency saying I was too busty, she gave me this analogy which is like so wild and so it it just painted the perfect picture for me being like I don't want this in my life. She was saying if you're on a runway and you're wearing a blouse, you want to sell the blouse, not what's underneath it. And I just go, yuck, that makes me feel sick to my stomach that that's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to be a coat hanger. When that's just not the case, we are humans, we you know, want to do a good job and be skillful and be in this industry for good reasons. And yeah, I, unfortunately, I do think overseas, there is a lot of that going on. Maybe they're getting better. But yeah, from my friend's experience, that's what she was saying it was like. And she ended up coming back to Australia and being one of the most successful models. Yeah, well, you got it pretty good over here in most industries. Like, I think so. <laughs> the, maybe the ceiling isn't as high in Australia, yeah. but... It's pretty, it's pretty chill place to be, I reckon. Um, and what do you feel like at this point in your life with all your experience to date? Like what's your message now to, to people, to the world, to other young women? Like what's just – what's your message if I say what, like, what comes to mind right now for you? Just start. I think if you have something in your soul that you know you want to do, the day one, the, the first step in starting is the hardest thing you can do. Um, my friend likes to use this quote that's um, – one day or day one, you get to choose. And so I think you can really take that with every aspect of your life and just start. That's going to be the hardest thing. Post that first YouTube video. It's, yeah, it's going to suck, but that's where you grow from. Book your first photo shoot. Do Start that podcast that you've always wanted to do, you know? One day or day one. Have you heard that one before? Never heard of that Let's one Let's get it before. tattooed on our foreheads. <laughs> That's actually really good because everyone's, oh, one day I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Why not stop that? right now? Yeah, why not well, make it stopping you. One? It's always like external, mm. yeah, blocks. Think about what are these excuses? Are these excuses or am I not prioritising what I actually want to do? But whether they're excuses or what, it's like do you really want to live this life that you envision in your head? If you do, the only way to do it is start. Amen. So Preach it. That's that. And um, Jesse, where's the best place anyone can find info on you? On Clayco, where's the best place people can check it all out? Uh, for me, I am on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube under Jesse Norbs or Jesse Norbury with a Z on the end. And on the Clayco, it is at underscore the Clayco or at the Clayco everywhere else. And we're obviously on the internet. You can find our, <laughs> you can find <laughs> you can find our videos. You can find our pottery kits if Anyone, especially you, I think you need to start some pottery. I think you would like it. I'll do it. You could write some quotes and manifestation. It comes with a letter press so you can literally write in like your favourite quote, which is my favourite thing to do. I'll do, what is it? I already forget, day. One one day day or or day day one. one. That's that's what I'm going to put on my first mug. um, Perfect. Great. Thanks so much. I mean, it's 
gone quick. It's over an hour already, but thanks for coming in. Thanks so um, much for having me. Thanks for sharing me. your story. And, and you yeah. too. I really appreciate talking about manifestation yeah, fun, with you. Huh? Cool. All right, another one in the books, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. We are finished. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.